Welcome to another edition of Serie A Sit Down, World Football Index's podcast for your Calcio to go. Frank Ravello here, Richard Carmen here too. Ciao, Richard. How are we doing? We're good. How I'm are back. you doing? I'm back. I'm better. I, I, I'm a lot better. I am a lot better. Uh, yeah, last last week, just before we went on air, I just started seeing blurry. And I'm like, what the heck's going on? Went in the mirror and I've got pink eye. I'm like, oh, great, great. So, But I'm, I'm recovered. I'm recovering. I can see now, so that's good. Turning up. Well, good to have you. Good to have you back. Unlike Milan, I'm turning upward. <laughs> oh mercy! Is there anybody trending upward in Serie A except Napoli these days? Maybe Bologna. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. New manager, absolutely. Mota, Mota. Yeah, Thiago Mota's got that thing going, doesn't he? Um, yeah. So it's uh, it's, uh, it's it was an interesting weekend. Lots that went on in match week twenty one. We're going to break it all down. Uh, you have a you some you have a shout out you want to give uh, uh, to a uh, to a new friend of ours. Uh, yeah, so yeah. Uh, before I do time. plug away. Before I do that, uh, first off, uh, give a shout out to uh, all those Napoli heads that met up in New York City. Uh, that was, that was a awesome. Turnout, great turnout there. Yeah. Uh, our, our, our friends, uh, the, the the Napoli brand, and all a bunch of other podcasts that we know and people that we know on, that follow Napoli, they were all there. It was awesome to see. Also, the uh, all the Milan clubs meet up in Boston for the Paramount Plus showing today. That was awesome to see as well. Uh, but my uh, main shout out is going to be for uh, Alfredo. He runs Azuri TV on YouTube. Uh, go give him a like. Go give him a subscribe. Uh, puts up some good content. He just started out. Uh, but you know, he 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 put out some missing uh, some. Transfers that happened that maybe you know what under the radar of most people we cut co- we we covered them all here but uh, we missed we covered. missed one of the one that he covered but we we we, yeah. we we covered some of the other ones yeah yeah Eldor who uh, went from Roma to uh, Spezia we didn't yes. get that one but uh, we, you know we got Tovan to Udinese uh, Illich to Torino and as well Brecolo to Fiorentina but yeah check him out puts great content out so shout out to Alfredo uh, but yeah that's uh, my shout outs for today Frank. Okay. Well, cool. Uh, I want to give a shout out to uh, Martino Puccio for coming in uh, yeah, last minute relief last week while Richard was down for the count. So, uh, and helped, uh, I thought we had a very good exchanging of ideas and conversation with uh, some of the things that are going, uh, going on in city at the time last week. George is in the house. Anthony's in the house. Uh, please drop in uh, in the chat. Uh, what are you drinking tonight? That's what, uh, that's what we want to know. Uh, a little bit of bourbon X. What's it that? Should be hard. It should be something hard, something liquor. But I'm drinking uh, water. I'm going to say a little, a little bourbon. A little bourbon found its way into my Seven Up. So yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, can't, I can't lie. So well, Milan is blue. So yeah, it would make sense that we'd be drinking hard liquor th- this evening, right? But uh, mm-hmm. it is what it is. Yeah, sad little sad drink of uh, some <laughs> little sad drink of some bullet and Seven Up. Yeah, yeah. You know, just to kind of take away the pain. So, <laughs> so uh, Napoli fans need to stop asking for help. You guys won the Scudetto. You don't need help. It's looking that way. You yeah. know, yeah. And ask Louis Van Gaal if uh, things are still mathematically possible. <laughs> you got to yeah. get him to say mathematically first, but yeah, first up, first yeah. up. <laughs> oh man! Uh, so we're just trying to find a little bit of humor in everything that went on with our day today. Uh, uh, y- you all know that Richard and I are Milanisti, but we will be objective about what went down in the Milan derby yeah. Yeah. Uh, that took place. Richard one nil to Inter. Um, where do you want to start this conversation? I mean, well, let me uh, let me let me drop a bomb first. 
So in my opinion, this Derby, which usually has ups and downs throughout the years, probably the last 10 years, more downs and ups. I thought, and this is my opinion only, that this Derby was the worst game of the day and arguably the worst game of the weekend. I I won't fight you on that. Um, and then as it goes with derbies, it might have been one of the worst derbies of it might have been one of the worst Milan derbies of the last ten years. I think there was a certainly during, from the loss perspective. Wasn't it the the nil nil with people and Zaghi? And I want to say was it Stramaccioni at the time, or was it Ranieri? Or I can't remember who was at Inter at the time, but I know it was people and Zaghi. It was a nil nil draw, and it was just absolutely lifeless. I mean, more lifeless than this game. Gattuso, uh, he was in one of those two that really bad where he was a manager. Um, Gattuso lost a lot of derbies. I don't even think he yeah. won one. Yeah. No, um, no. Which, by the way, Valencia sacked him. Yeah. I um, uh, you know, early last week, and some people were saying, "Yeah, Gattuso's available." And they're like, "Yeah, we're good." Um, <laughs> I mean, uh, and they're done that. You know, Gattuso has a special place in my heart between what he's done, what he did for Milan, and what he did for the Italian national team. But as a manager, I, I think, I think he's exhausted all of his options at this point. Yeah. So we're birthday buddies, but he's still, uh, he's still well, not birthday twins, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. How about that? How about that? That's you right. guys have the same beard almost, except his is a little grayer. But he's and been fuller. A... Mine are, mine's patchy and whatever, but <laughs> but he's been in some managerial positions where he's in some of those grays. So you know, yeah. I mean, Crete and Milan. <laughs> <laughs> I think I had a friend actually uh, uh, send me a GIF. Uh, I, I had I had I had suggested something, and then he responded with a GIF, and it was Gattuso when he was at Crete, and he goes, "Sometimes good, sometimes shit." <laughs> yep, classic. Yep, this whole derby was shit today. Um, let's start with the Inter side because I think this is the easy side right now to talk about. And it's and, and it's not because the Milan supporters, you know, when we're trying to have a bias or any of this stuff, but genuinely speaking, Richard, I mean, you can pretty much sum up Inter's performance in it was they just took what Milan gave them and yeah. got on with their day. I mean, that's really what happened here um, and a 1-0 victory for them. It was basically like one team showed up for the derby and the other one did it. And it was basically a training practice for them where, I mean, obviously I thought the hungriest guys on the pitch were, were Lautaro and, and, and Dzeko because they backtracked like nobody's business. Um, but Inter looked comfortable. They looked like they were ready for the derby. The TFOs were ready. But Milan, not so much. And it, you, like you said, they played to what Milan gave them. And Milan gave them a lot. And, and Inter took advantage of it, and especially the set pieces and, and, and some of those crosses in as well. So... Yeah, uh, not that great of a performance uh, for for the Rossoneri, but uh, you know, hey, some had to win it. Uh, I know Interisi are happy this evening, uh, obvious for obvious reasons. But um, yeah, you know, when a derby like this, you want two teams to show up typically, and only one team really showed up. It was a training practice for for them. Yeah, I, I I'm going to say that Lautaro Martinez was the man of the match here. I think he was the liveliest player on the pitch to your point scored the goal which has nothing to do with him being the man of the match he created the most out of both teams combined really um so you know and i here's the thing with lataro martinez and here's the here's the gripe that i've always had about him in game environments like this for a long time and inter fans can agree with me or can't agree with me whatever um but when games game environments where Inter are possession dominant, it's a it has long been a struggle for Lautaro in my opinion. Okay, mm-hmm. when the spaces tighten up and the chances are a little more, it it just seems like 
the chances are there. There's more. The chances are in abundance for him, and he overthinks it, and balls go over the bar. They go wide, and it's not. He's not as sharp as he normally is. I think I've seen over the last couple of games between this and the Cremonese game, I'm seeing a shift in that. Okay, I, I, and and that you can trust him. You know, in those moments, and he had, he's starting to get more clinical. He's starting to finish more. He's starting to become a more dangerous striker in those environments. I always loved him when Inter have to counter. Yeah, you oh, give yeah. him spaces, yeah. and you get you let him use his pace, Clinical. and you let him yeah. use his, especially his first ten steps, and his change of speed, and boom, and he's gone, and forget it. You don't have a chance. Um, and and you know, but when for a long time here, when things tightened up in games where Inter had more of the ball, it was harder for him. Okay, but I think I've seen some sample here in these last two couple games now. This one, and then Cremonese, because let's face it, Cremonese didn't want the ball either. Yeah. Um, and Lataro world one. Uh, let me tell you about Lataro's substitute appearance in that final against France. Lataro should have scored five goals in yes. that substitute appearance against France. He had so many wide open chances in the little time that he played. But when he does um, something, though, when he does something to you, yep, yep, winning does something to you, and it kind of you know it, it makes you hungry. It makes you hungrier to figure out where you're going wrong. You, you're seeing with Lataro Martinez, you're seeing a maturity with this young man that yes. probably wasn't there before. I agree with you, and I disagree with you to an extent. Uh, so I agree with everything you just said there. <clears throat> I will say this. Lautaro is a, a streaky striker, uh, and he's getting better at it, we think. But he, he'll go on these hot streaks where he'll score for seven, ten games in a row, like fantastic goals. Every, everything is a goal for him. And then he'll go on for months on a cold streak where he can't score for the life of him. Yeah. Um, I agree that when, when the spaces are tight, he finds it hard to score in. But on the flip side, whenever the derby comes around, he seems to do well in the derbies. For mm. some reason, he he feasts on that on that passion. Point. And he's excellent. He's a Milan killer, right? Walking Korea when he was at Lazio, he was a Milan killer. Lataro, <clears throat> excuse me, Lataro is, a, is, a, is, a, is a Milan killer as well. And so, yeah, you have those two dynamics with him. And hopefully, as years go on for him, if, you know, if you're a, a Lataro fan is that you want to see him kind of minimize those streaks, those, those cold streaks, and make it more consistent. Uh, mm. But when he's on, he is as good as almost anybody. Uh, maybe not Osimhen, right? Uh, well, you know, but it's different players, different size, different different talents. Um, but Lautaro is, you know, especially on the counterattacks, like you mentioned, he is, is a joy to watch. He just knows where to go. Uh, he's great in the air for such a little guy. That's, you know, that's so impressive to see. He's got that big forehead. How can you miss it? <laughs> Coming from a guy who has a big forehead, I know him when I see him. See that? There you go. Fair right. enough. Fair enough. I can self-deprecate myself once in a while. So DeMarcos, DeMarcos said it. They did not expect Milan yeah. to behave like this. It didn't feel like a derby saying yeah. Eduardo training, Hernandez. That's, that's, that's very fair. But here's the other thing that I say when I see Jekyll and Lotaro Martinez up front and his possession dominant. A lot of this is when I play DraftKings and I see Inter in a game like, say, against the Victoria Pilsen, where I know that Inter are going to have a ton more of the ball. I, I want Jekko because when DiMarco is crossing it, as Eduardo references DiMarco, it's generally crossing it and putting it on Jekko's head in the run of play. Um, that forehead got offside. <laughs> that was a great comment. I heard it all the rounds making that. That's awesome. That is awesome. Ray Hudson said if he shaved his, his eyebrow, maybe he'd be onside, you know? Maybe that's why I was offside so much in my playing days. So, oh, my God. You know, but anyway... <laughs> Um, the goal, uh, 
Okay, I think okay. First of all, let's. I mean, let's let's let, let's fragment this piece by piece. Okay, I think Milan's defensive setup was fine. There was man marking. Um, I just want to know who was supposed to be on Jekyll in particular, and I thought it was Giroud from what I thought, and then Giroud just went to go chase somebody else. But I think it was Gabby. smart box running by Inter. Okay, and in particular Jekyll because Kiar's man marking Lotaro. Yeah. And if you go back and you look at it, Jekyll just subtly screens Kiar off of Lotaro and gives Lotaro room to head it. And everybody's in Tatra Sanu's way where he doesn't see it coming. I mean, I think that, that these are the little nuances uh, where the goal happens. And it's it's well-crafted. I don't think there's a real lack of concentration except for whoever was on Jekyll should have read this and switched and tried to get as close to Lotaro as he possibly could. But by that point, it was too late. And even... When he was screened, Kiar was still making an effort and almost got to him, um, just too late. Um, so I was thinking about it. I was that's like, the that's the savvy of a guy like Jekyll. Yeah, that's that, that's that absolutely moment. the point. That's absolutely hundred spot on. You're hundred percent spot on there. I was thinking about this, like who should be who should be marking Kiar in an ideal situation. You want it to be Kiar because it's not Kalulu. Kalulu got the pace, but he cannot yeah. jump with Lautaro. Yeah. Uh, Gabia say Gabby's not physical enough for Lautaro. You know, yeah. albeit he probably got a foot height advantage on him, right? Um, and probably can't jump with him either. Kiara's got to be the guy, but like you said, who's covering Jekko? It should have been Giroud or maybe Gabia to an extent. Uh, whoever yeah. was did not do a good job. Allowed Jekko to make the smart move that he. I mean, he's an intelligent player. He you know made the right move, and and Lautaro read it, and you know Kiara couldn't break off the off the the pick there, and so a great play yeah. by by Inter, fully deserving that goal. I'm forced to put it on Giroud because he's closest to Jekyll, which leads me to assume that I think he was supposed to mark Jekyll in that moment. It's a logical and, decision too, to put Jekyll on or Giroud on Jekyll. Yeah, and he misread his assignment, and I can't remember who he chased to the near post, but he left him, which gave Jekyll a chance to kind of get in Kier's way for Lataro to finish that. And again, it's 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 craftiness by Jekyll. It's a good finish by Lotaro and, and Tatarasano just doesn't have a chance because he never sees it. So uh and it's the only goal of the match uh that um that uh that decides this, you know, um for Inter. You know, let's talk about them a little bit more. Um because this win uh keeps them in second. Yep. And but not only it keeps them in second, but it gets them some it gets them some uh some distance now. Uh, from fifth and sixth, they've established a cushion here. They've got five points uh, off of, you know, they got their five points clear of Atalanta, five points clear of Milan now, um, where they give themselves a chance, uh, you know, to firmly start to cement themselves, string together some wins and lock up their top four place. Um, this was, this was an important win for them. This was a, Okay, if you're going to give this to us, we're going to take it kind of win. It, I, but, but, but here's the other argument I'm going to make about Inter. Um, and I said this at halftime on Twitter. For all of their possession, for all the control they had in this game, were they really that ruthless? I don't think they were. I don't um, think ruthless. I, I think... I don't... You know, I, and I expect if, if you're going to boss a game like that, or if you're going to be invited to boss a game like that, I would expect you have the ability to try to seize it and put your opponent away and inter have this funny way of getting, and this is part of the, we talk about Lotaro with inter have more possession superiority. He's starting to play better in those moments. Okay. But 
I've argued all along about Inter and Eduardo's talking about it. Inter's not have that killer instinct. Well, here's the thing about Inter. And we have been saying it now, Richard, for the last couple of years. And some of this is the Antonio Conte effect with the way Conte likes to set his teams up. How do you make Inter uncomfortable? You give them the ball. Yep. You give them the ball. Yep. Okay. Because they are not used to, they want to counter you and they want to expose you and, and, and beat you with counterattacking and with counterpressing. They, they don't want to beat you by having 85% possession and, and carving out a lot. They're, they're not comfortable playing that way, it no, almost seems. No. And it felt that way again. They're not taking the superiority and possession and being aggressive with it. There was just it, way too much kind of probing, sparring, and throwing jabs instead of throwing the hooks and uppercuts that could have knocked Milan out early. It was a training session. I mean, Lazio, Lazio were ruthless. Sassuolo were ruthless against Milan. Inter, not so much. I thought they were efficient because they really didn't tire themselves out. Um, Lautaro and, and Jekyll, they certainly did because they were backtracking and getting the ball back. I thought Inter was very impressive when they lost the ball because yeah. they pressed immediately and within five seconds got the ball back every time throughout the entire game, especially the first half, but mm-hmm. the entire game in general. Um, but like you said, they're mostly probing and stuff. It's a training ground exercise. Were they were they break were they breaching the defense at times? Yes. Uh, Tatarasano, for all the haters out there, he he played well in this game. I thought okay in this game. I don't say well, but he played he played okay. He made a great save on Latado early in the game. Uh, had some other good plays as well. Um, so this can be at the fault of him. It's not. Um, I just think you know Inter weren't ruthless. Like you said, were they good? Yes. Did they deserve the win? Hundred um, percent. Mm. You know they probably should have won by three goals, but. The point is, you know, they didn't they didn't get those goals, uh, but it was still comfortable. They weren't they weren't threatened at all in this game. Yeah. Now you put them in games where they counter, or if you're trying to press them and fail, yeah, they're going to destroy you. Um, but enter against low blocks, enter against teams that play more compact. It's it's a struggle for them. Um, you see this question by Kyle? It's an interesting one. You know, Napoli obviously has one players that take you on one on one. And Milan do as well with Liao. But do Inter lack players who can dribble you one-on-one? I mean, they can big time. Yeah, big I mean. Time. They don't Walker have. Korea could, walking Korea should, but he doesn't. Lautaro doesn't. Jekyll doesn't. I mean, Dumfries doesn't. I mean, there's no, not a single to... There's not a single take on artist on that team. No midfielder does. I mean, yeah, yeah there's, there's no take on artist, like you said. Your, your best 1v1 winner is Lukaku. When he's fit and on, but it's 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 it with Lukaku, it's more of a physicality, yeah, and muscling a guy off the ball to open up space and finish. It's not tricky dribbling. Um, so Eduardo Inter can move the ball around, but after dominating 50 60 minutes and only one goal, Inter start to get anxious, nervous, start yep. making silly mistakes that other teams take advantage of. And I said that at halftime. I was like, is Pioli trying to lull this inter team into a level of playing casual that they could that they could punish them for? Uh, like Giroud did on like did almost minute 75. Yeah. And that was the worst technical decision <laughs> I have seen from Olivier Giroud yeah, in, yeah. in in years. Yeah. Why he would put that back on his left and expose it for the defender know, where he has the first touch on his right foot and can bury it. Yeah. If he does it that way, this game ends 1-1. I'm convinced of it. Yep. But he, for some reason, felt that like he needed that on his left. Yeah. And yeah. it brought the defender back into the play. It was a beautiful pass from Leao that led to it. Yeah. Um, but going but, back to your point, we've seen this before with Milan, right? Last year. Well, before we get to Milan, I'm going to say one more thing about Inter. Here oh, yeah. is where they won the game. 
when Simone Inzaghi brought on Marcelo Brozovic in the 71st minute. Okay. Pioli made his attacking changes. He brought on his guys. But Brozovic coming on, 71st minute to me when I saw that, and the role that Brozovic played, sit in front of the back three, Milan are coming at you, oh, yeah. diffuse and blow another up Another Milan killer, I mean, another Milan killer, Brozovic. Exactly. And his role was simple. Just make their attacks more difficult. We've got the one no lead, cover the ground that makes it more difficult. I thought it was a very good substitution by Inzaghi to counter what Pioli was trying to do. Um, and to me, that's the substitution that killed the game. I agree about that. I thought the game was lost when I saw the starting lineups. One, the personnel that they use. Two, the three-five-two. Um, and I saw that. I said, I mean, I was going to lose this. But to your point, yeah, I agree with you. When, once Brozovic came in, you knew that there was no chance when I was going to come back and win this or, or draw it. I thought that maybe we were going to shit out at one point when we saw the 75th mm-hmm. minute and we saw that those chances. But yeah, Brozovic came in, locked up shop, and that was it. Yep. Um. I mean, let's come back to the Milan side because we looked at it, and it's three five two. I when I first saw it, and when I looked at the lineups, and I thought Macias was part of was a winger in a three four three, and then when they were out there, and that he was the Mazzella in a three man center midfield, I was like, "Well, what?" Yep. Um, but um, so when I saw the three four three, I I I and I thought I thought all right, I thought this was three four three, and I said. Milan are going to take their chances with pressing them because they have been successful when they pressed Inter's back three in the past and when they've pressed Chalinolu into mistakes. Yep. Um, but they uh, they didn't do that. Um, to your point, it was Macias playing as a Mazzella, which, you know, you play 3-5-2, you drop him in, you know, and you just help him just clog up passing lanes. Um, and okay, look, look, what have we been saying? And Milan, here's, oh, we got our friends, Milan, bugs my mind. We didn't go four, four, two. It gives the team more balance, especially as they have no jump in their game and no confidence. Um, but how do you do four, four, two? You know, I think you can, I mean, do you play? I would have done four four two before I do three five two, based on history. Every time but who plays, who, the well then, who who plays left mid then? Because Salamakers plays right mid. Yeah. Right. Tonali and Kroonich play in the middle. Who play? You're, you're not going to have Leal playing left mid and have him track back. I just know every time Pioli's done the three five two, every time he's trying to match the opposition's formation, it's failed miserably. Okay. And again. Um, all right. You got to figure out who plays in the four four two. But like I said. At three five two, I never would have gone to that just because we don't have the personnel for that. We never played that, except but we've we we've asked for change from the four two three one now for the last two weeks. I mean, and this is kind I of have, but some have. yes, a lot of people have. I'm trying to like. I'm I love your to... take last week with Martino Puccio. You said a four three two one. It's yeah. fogging up the middle. It's a Christmas tree formation. That would do it. I would agree. Yeah. I agree with that. Yeah. I, I I thought just take a ten, take the ten out of the system because we don't have a well functioning ten yeah. and add a midfielder that's just going to kind of plug up holes. Um, and uh, to in Milan, if if, if we had Benacer, we're playing a four three two one today, but we don't have Benacer. You think this is given the personnel that was available to Pioli? This is probably the best that Milan could have 
done formationally. Okay. I don't know if you could play four, four, two with what was available to you. And I believe is, is it Presidente talking through that or is it Stevie? Oh, you guys, it's, it's, it's usually one or the other. It's usually Presidente. Yeah. <laughs> so, but it is, it's usually Presidente. Um, but I think you have to try to figure you come up with the best way. What have we been saying all along? Said, okay, Calabria and Teo need support. They need cover, whether it comes from the midfield or whether it comes from center backs in a three-man defense. All right. Hey, Stevie, how you doing? No, he's using Milan. Oh, it's Presidente. Okay. Sorry, Presidente. Frank's still learning to read. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I'm doing this. Listen, I actually now use readers for my looking at computer screens, so forgive me. Um, I got gray in my beard, so I'm with her with you. Yeah, I'm an old man. Um, I'm like I got a cane. Trending, I got a cane. I'm with, I'm with you. I'm like trending toward prescription glasses at some <laughs> point. Don't worry, I'll be doing this in glasses soon enough. Hey, to be fair, the Milan players look like they were all old today too. So, <laughs> um, not like 2005 old against PSV in the second leg. <laughs> so yeah. in the semifinals, shit. The banter era wasn't even this bad against. Inter- no. All right, so. We're we're complaining. So we're complaining about formations, and we're complain. We're, we're complaining about not playing layout from the start. I have a whole bunch of things, Richard, that I just want to get into, because I mean, I think we all, I think we all believe, we all agree, we're we're all disappointed with Milan's performance, with their approach, with their mentality, with with this game, okay, and with this one nil defeat. And I don't think we need to beat. You don't need to come to this podcast uh, to get beaten to death. Time to get sponsored by Warby <laughs> Parker. Nobody likes a smartass. How's Calgary doing? Uh, they're probably doing better. They could probably beat Milan right now. <laughs> they probably could. Uh, Palermo too. Ranieri, Ranieri could come That's up right. with something to beat us, wouldn't right. couldn't That's he? Right. Yeah. And don't don't underestimate him. So, so much being made about formations. Leo not starting. I'm going to just encompass all of this right now, Richard. And right. and I think a lot of this has to do with Pioli. Because if you go to Milan Twitter right now, if you go on Twitter, everybody says, it's time. Pioli, thank you for the Scudetto. It's time for you to go. Is a sentiment among many of them. Okay. Yeah. Um, this is my Pioli in, also known as being reasonable with the unreasonable. Okay. <laughs> okay. So right. here we go. First of all, there are a litany of injuries. Okay. Mainyan. Tomori, Benacer. Uh I'm leaving people out. I just know I am. Ibra. Is Ibra, Ibra. Well, I mean, we're, 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 Ibra we're counting on as a sub when he comes back yeah, anyway. He's 50 anyway. You know, um, key guys that you leaned on. Um, so, you know, you've got that. You don't have your best and healthiest. Inter were far more healthy than Milan coming into this game. Okay, so Inter have an advantage there right off the bat. Um, Secondly, um, you with Tatra, Sanu, and Golan, Martino and I covered this last Tuesday night. Um, You have to play this way or close to it with Tatra, Sanu, and Gol. If they would have trotted out this 3-5-2, the more I think about it, and if they would have tried to press and play a possession dominant game against Inter, we'd be talking about a four-one defeat right now, okay? Because Mkhitaryan and Barella in particular would have had a field day uh, finding those spaces between the midfield and that three-man defense, 
they would have had an absolute fucking field day. Pioli said the same thing today too after the game. Yep. Um, and you, you know, never mind because the back three are going to be so occupied with Jekyll and uh, Lataro. Okay. So you, and then you've got, and we have already seen enough sample that if you try to play the same style with Tatrasanu in goal that you do with Mainyan in goal, you're going to give up more goals. Tatrasanu is just not the goalkeeper. So they have to play this way. This is Allegri, Juve level. Welcome to it until we can get Mainyan back. Okay. We're going to have to try to see how we can counter people and go from there. This was a very similar approach to last year's derby from Milan. Okay. Where last year when they won, they started, they played the 4 2 3 1. They start Kessie in the 10. They take the one, they fall behind, and they get, oddly enough, gave up a corner in the first half against Inter. Um, 1 0 down, change things around. Brian comes in, plays the 10. Kessie goes back to a more holding midfield role. And Milan puts an imprint on the game, comes from behind, and wins uh, by 2 1. Um, what they didn't account for is why I where I thought Inter officially won the game. In that game last year, Brozovic played from the start. So he was part of this midfield that was running and chasing and passing and moving and all of this other stuff. And you wear him down a little bit, and now you bring on little Brahim who can run past him all day long and 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 make the game make the game horrible for him. Now you're bringing Brozovic on as, as a substitute, fresh legs for 20 minutes to just go sit in front of the back three and close the game, help close the game out. Different, different environment. Okay, so if there is a failure here for Pioli and his approach to this game, it's not accounting for the fact that Brozovic was going to be a part of play a part here to try to to try to break up some of the things you were going to do when you had the ball. Um, Leao. I'm going to give you guys all a twist because I heard a lot of anger that Leao didn't start. You play your best guys in the derby and all of this other stuff, okay? Let me ask anybody at Milan Twitter. Let me ask you, Richard. Let me ask any of you guys in the chat. I'm going to ask you a very honest question. Are you guys on hand at Milanello every day? No. Do to we be- know what's going on with Rafael Leao? No, and we know that he's been not his normal self lately. Uh, he's been struggling, whether it's tiredness or whatever, and he needs some games off. Now, what I... I probably He's fatigued. Exactly. I would have probably scheduled it so that he was ready for the derby. I would have, I would have scheduled that a couple games before, and so he'd be ready for this game. But you know, he was fatigued. Everyone, you have to know he's fatigued because you can see the way he's playing. He doesn't have that same zip he's that he normally fatigued. does. What happened to Nicola Barella in the, toward the end of last season? Yeah, exactly. Burned out. Exactly. Exactly. What happened to Saudi's Napoli as they were chasing that Scudetto pack? Exactly. Burned out because he kept playing the same guys. And you need him for the you need him for the stretch run. You need him for the stretch run. So you got to sacrifice. I see right now, and if Milan end up finishing top four, you guys can all come back to this episode. Episode number is this two fifty two. Two fifty two. Episode number two fifty two for this rant that I'm giving you right now. That part of a manager's job is to plan long range. Milan are going to jump back into playing every three days and playing a lot of important matches here in the business end of the season before you know it. They're going to need layout. Pioli looked at this and said, all right, you're tired. This is what I'm theorizing. You're fatigued. What can you give me? I'll take what you can give me. Give me 30 minutes. Give me 40 minutes. We'll use you as a change of pace guy to change the game. I've got five substitutions. Make it work. It worked. Okay. 
and it had and it had an impact until Inzaghi brought on Brozovic, and then yeah. it killed it. Yeah. All right. So uh, there's some long range thinking going on here by Pioli as part of the problem, and I'm not making excuses. I'm laying out what I think is realistically going on here with why Leao didn't start, why he was brought on as a substitute, why Milan are playing the way they are right now in this derby. And guess what? They're going to probably play this way going forward for a while. As long as Tatra Sanu's in goal, this is how they're going to play. Yeah. Um, and until they can get guys back like Benacer and Tamori, this is how they're going to play. You know, the Chalonolo and company going uh, going after Tatra Sanu on the uh, corners because they, they know what kind of goalkeeper they got, so they, they kept going for it a couple times. Right. Like, at least three, four times they went for it. Right, right. I agree with Seven, you about Pioli. 17 and 17 league games left. 17 league games left. And as it stands right now, let's just assume Lazio wins tomorrow. They're still only three points out of fourth place, despite all the disasters that are going on. And five behind Inter. Yep. And five behind Inter. It's not bad. It's not Part bad. of a manager's responsibility is to do long range planning. And some of this is your star player has been playing a lot. We've seen a lot. Um, and Eduardo's making a very good point. Fans want to win the Derby. They want the city's bragging rights. I totally understand it, okay? I'm just making a case for what I see Pioli trying to do here. I'm making a case for what I saw him trying to do in the game, um, where it was like, all right, we're going to have to absorb and absorb and absorb and find our way to a goal. And they just they didn't find their way to the goal. Yeah. Um, and then finally, the other, the, the last underlying reason I have for Pioli in, and I'm going to repeat what I said Tuesday night with Martino. There is no one that's realistic that we can get that's worthwhile. No one. 100%. I don't want the cheap short-term thrill. Oh, great. We finished top four with this guy who is really not that good. Watch the start of next season when we're in 13th after 10 games. Right? Because it happens way more than the alternative where you think you found the guy that's just going to lead you to winning every year. Yeah. So that's my uh, full layout about apologizing for Pioli. I am definitely not a Pioli out guy. I'm definitely keep Pioli. I think ride Pioli, ride, ride the shit for the rest of the season for sure. And then see what you got. Um, And I agree. He manager's job is to think long term. My problem with Pioli is he's stubborn, right? The team is flat. The team is obviously flat. Mm. They're, They're injured. No depth at the moment. Uh, players like Leao, obviously, like fatigue. Team is just not performing the way they're supposed to be playing. And then Pioli's stubborn. He doesn't change anything. This game he obviously did, but he hasn't been changing anybody. He hasn't been giving some guys like Vrank an opportunity. Um, Decatelares had a little bit, a little bit of time here and there. Malik Chow hasn't got many, much of the opportunity. There's a lot of guys he could, you know, just give him, give him a run out, see what they can do. Yeah. Nothing's been working. That's my problem with Pioli. He's like he's just being stubborn and doing the same thing over and over again. And finally, this today he changed it. It didn't work, um, but he changed it finally. And that's he, my biggest he, he changed the system. He didn't really change the guys, though. Correct. That's that's my thing. He's not changing the guys. It keeps the same guys who are not performing, hoping that they're going to come out of it. And sometimes it works, but it, it's obviously not working. Change those guys up, and maybe you get something else. I like the de- insertion of Divac Origi because it's something different. He scored a goal last week. Um, maybe you sit Giroud, or uh, you probably don't sit Giroud in this kind of game, but there's you know other players you can put in there that – Changed it up because the same bodies over and over again. They're going through the motion, the flat motion where they no one's there. Gonna, no one on the team on the pitch is pick is doing the pick me up and let's let's go let's go get them. No one's doing mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. That's my issue. Yeah, I I think Vranks deserves a try. I think that um, 
But again, but but you're also in a derby, and who has experience in a Milan derby? Oster Franks or Roddy Krunic? And he has sample with Roddy Krunic that he's comfortable with. At least he is. I mean, the rest of us might not be. Yeah. Um, and that wasn't even Krunic's best position either. No, he's utility. He's utility. He can do anything, but yeah, I mean, he's deputizing in certain positions to try to keep this afloat for Milan. So, but. You know, and then and then Presidente is nailing it. How many years have we been complaining about a lack of stability? We have stability now, and most are not happy with it. Um, I'm with you. Some different players need to get an opportunity now. Okay, I mean, the worst thing you're doing for Charles for Charles de Quetelare is keeping him on the bench and not giving him run. Right. Okay. The only way, and we said this, we said this last week. Best thing you can do for that boy is to play him. Yeah, Any and let him player. let him work through it. You know, you know. Part of the crisis of confidence is you're not giving him the opportunities. You keep going to Brahim Diaz, who you may not have back next year. You, you know, want him at twenty-two million. What's that? So, do you want him at twenty-two million? No, no, no I'm not paying twenty-two million for Brahim no. Diaz. That money can be better invested somewhere else. Yeah, uh, you know, right-sided player, for example. Um, here's what else I learned about Milan. And somebody said it. Salamakers might be a better right back than Calabria. <laughs> he might. Definitely got better work rate. Well, here's the thing. And here's why a three-man, here's another, I mean, the three-man defense benefits Teo to have some, you know, a bit more freedom going forward on the left-hand side. But it would benefit Salamakers because naturally he has spent a lot of his career professionally and then also in youth playing as a right wing back with a three-man defense behind him um and when i watched him play when he came on as a substitute there was a bit of a comfort level with him um in there there were some mistakes don't get me wrong um but i was okay when salamakers came on for Calabria because it's like yeah this salamakers can play this position he knows this he'll 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 be able to blend right in and get the get his job done so Inter 100% deserve this game. Uh, yeah. Much farther, better team. You know, last one last thing before we wrap this up is uh, I know I, I had no issues with anything the referees called this game. I thought the referee nailed everything they called this game, for the most part. Um, the My problem is obviously the offside rule. And we saw with Lartaro's goal that, you know, he was offside based on the rule. I've always said, I think you even said, like, the tie should go to the striker. It should be. Like, it's, it's, it's even at that point. Like, unless they're egregiously offsides, you know, five, ten yards off offsides. Yeah, sure, that's offside. But if they're, if they're somewhat even, give it to the damn striker. I mean, th- the game would be much more, more entertaining, more interesting this, at this point. Um, and you'd VIR be used sparingly for, like, those big errors that where they, where they are majorly offside. So that's Interfans can Interfans can call for Lotaro to have surgery done on his forehead. <laughs> so he's not offside next uh, time in that moment. <laughs> so Poor Lotaro. Just have it, yeah. <laughs> Poor, Latar, poor Milan. Latar was celebrating right now. He doesn't care. Can we shrink that bad? Yeah, he doesn't care. Yeah. <laughs> and are happy. Eduardo's happy. So. That's his ego planted in there right now. <laughs> so, yeah, um, yeah I, I'm with – I mean, Inter deserved to win the game. They took what they were given. It wasn't a, like, dazzling display by them by any stretch of the imagination, but it was three, po- it was three points and three points in a derby and bragging rights and, you know, and all of that fun, fun stuff. I just, you know, I, I see, you know, Inter get the win. They get to boost kind of th- their situation in terms of gaining one of these Champions League places. I just look at Milan right now, and I just kind of look at. I think 
it almost feels like the Milan camp are okay with punting this game in the process of fixing their issues for the for the balance of the season to get themselves in a position to still finish top four. You know, but to um, Eduardo's point, this is a derby. Maybe this is not the game you punt, but you know, it is what it is. Yeah, but man, if they would have gone out in that same system they've been playing the lad, they would have gotten thrashed. Oh, for sure, I agree. So I, 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 I've got no problem with the approach. I, I fully accept, and I, and I, I accept Pioli's comments after the game. You know, I think his, like I said, his one flaw was not a probably not accounting for the fact that Brozovic was there on the bench and was going to play a role here. Uh, you know, to cancel things out. And this game was so important for Inter because it's not like they were like flying high. They were struggling also. We talked about this with Alex a couple weeks ago. It was like, Inter has been struggling uh, mm-hmm. lately and they've been going ups and downs. And so this game was going to be a big boost for them. And going forward, uh, hopefully they can start getting some runs together. Like you said, create some separation between second and third. Uh, yeah. See if they can catch Napoli. That, I mean, right now they're the forerunners who think that if anyone's going to catch them, it'll have to be Inter because they're the closest. Yeah. I mean, it just... Milan have some issues that they have to fix and work through, and the derby just comes at a bad came just came at a bad time for them. Really, is this Inzaghi's first win in the derby? I think it is. I want to say he won one other. Okay. What happened last year? Didn't they win? Uh, didn't, they, didn't they split? Uh, Nola, right? Didn't Chalnola win? Oh, they, they tied that game. They, won the they tied that. Yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right. Um, first one was a tie. Second one, Milan won. Well, no, Inzaghi won the Super Cup. Yeah, that's Super Cup. So, I'm talking about yeah. the league. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's the bonus round game. Yeah. So the champions of Arabia, as it was said in the Milan Tifo. So, <laughs> so, um, the yeah, Eduardo heard that also. The change in formation avoided an even greater goal difference. Exactly. Yeah. I, I thought if if Piole, like I said, if Pioli would have gone in and done the same thing he's been doing for the last couple of weeks, this would have been a absolute thrashing. So, um, so the hand was forced. They had to do this, and Pioli even said in the press conference. Three-man defense is what we're playing for the foreseeable future, and I think that that has a lot to do with Tatra Sanu and goal. It's just their best chance of winning games right now. So um, crazy, crazy game. Uh, but, you know, in, in how it played out and how it got organized, you it certainly hasn't been the spectacle that, it, that we thought it would be or what it had been in the last couple of years, but um, it is what it is. So, yeah. you know, there were – There were better games. There was only six other games, really. There were. I mean, there were. I mean, they were all better. Two, two tomorrow and one Tuesday. That's yeah. crazy. Yeah. Serie A's just throwing some curveballs, man. Yeah. All right. Uh, looking at the rundown. Uh, if you don't mind me taking this, I'll take this. Uh, oh no, all yours. All yours. Relegation six pointer, maybe not. Not so much. Lecce is kind of uh, safely out of the zone at the moment with Cremonese hosting Lecce. Uh, game. It was. A, it was actually a pretty entertaining game. Uh, goals by. Uh, Bascarotto uh, and Strefezza. Strefezza, nice goal. Goal of the week candidate there. Uh, Lecce win comfortably. Eh, I guess comfortably. 2 nothing. Uh, good game there. Well, Lecce are 14th and 10 yeah. points clear of the drop. Yeah. Yeah. Them and... Oh, um, good. We're going to have to get our Lecce boys back on here. They got to be. Mosa. Yeah. They got to be just jumping through it right Absolutely. now. Absolutely. That's a, it's a... The fans are great both home and away, but especially at home. We know how tough they are at home. Mm-hmm. Um, speaking of home, Roma at home against Empoli. Uh... Two goals early in the game. Looked like it was going to be a route. Uh, Ibanez off a header, similar like he did it against Milan. And then Abraham as well uh, got a nice goal. 2 nothing. Looks like they're going for a route, but uh, not so much. Empoli uh, kind of close up shop. Vicario, fantastic triple save. Uh, yeah. At one point on like everybody on the Roma team, it seemed like. Um, but Vicario played very well. I thought Empoli started coming back into the game. Um, very, very, very inter- entertaining game, I would say, for sure. But 
Roma win two nothing. Uh, go if this there. doesn't if this doesn't validate uh, Tommaso Baldanzi as one of the yes young upcoming stars of Italian football, then 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 people are just people are just angry for no reason. Then yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. The Giant Killers are back. Sassuolo thrashed Milan just not just recently, and then they come back and they beat Atalanta one nothing. Uh, obviously a red card. Well, I don't know. Obviously, but a red card by Miela in the in the uh, what was it, thirtieth minute, early in the game. Uh, and then I was well, Morial going late in the game. You know, whatever. But it was a uh, legit. That was a legit red. I saw that. Yes, yes, I agree with that call. It was, studs uh, are way studs are way too high and could break someone's and, leg doing what he did. Yeah, uh, yeah, but that was uh, violent. Our man. But let Lord, me ask you. Let me ask you this. And this would I, not that this would have changed the outcome of the derby, but Gozen's challenge on Selimakers. It was close. I think it's similar. Yes, but it was a follow through by Salamakers that happened. Um, so I'm, I'm, I, I was, I could yellow, I'd be fine with yellow there. I don't think it was red. I think the okay. Mayella thing was absolutely red. What are your thoughts okay. on, on Ghostens? Um, I, it was the first thing that came to my mind was the Mayella tackle when that happened. Yeah. Um, but I think it was yeah. like, it, it, it felt similar. Um, but different situations, um, but similar. Yes. I agree. Yeah. It felt similar, but apparently the, the, you know, the referees didn't think it was even worth looking at. So. Yeah, and they know more than me. So, um, but uh, our man Loriente got a goal in the fifty-sixth minute, fifty-fifth minute, fifty-sixth minute, whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, but such a good game. Uh, yeah, Sassuolo found a way to win. They look, they look pretty good in this game. Uh, obviously, it helps to have a man up. But I think, man, you know, being even eleven-eleven, they still would have played this way. They just been, they found their mojo back. It seems like uh, I kind of agree mm-hmm. with uh, Anthony in the chat that. Hey, maybe they can go on a little bit of run here because they've been struggling. They were too close to that relegation spot. They were what seventeenth at one point. Yeah. Uh, so and they've just couple... beaten Milan and Atalanta in back to back weeks. When did they get Marquitza? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Forgot about because that. Because he had the assist on uh, Lorient's goal. Yeah, yeah. Uh, moving on to today, uh, the first place team Napoli were on the road at La Spezia. Spezia were played actually pretty well in the first half. Uh, kept it very close, zero zero. <laughs> Um, <laughs> you reminded me of what I told you before the year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, um, <laughs> uh, no. Half halftime during halftime, I'm seeing my wife off to work. I go to take a shit. I come back. I see Napoli's yeah. winning three 0 If you left to take a shit, you would have missed all the goals. Napoli scored I did, three goals I did in the miss second all half. The goals. Uh, penalty in the 47th minute. Uh, stone cold penalty. Havrashele converted that. Uh, Osiman in the 68th and 73rd minute. Uh, one of those assisted by Havrashele. Uh, the goal, it was a blunder. The second goal that was, you know, Dragowski, I don't know what the hell he was doing. Harvashele uh, goes for a shot, gets blocked, goes way in the air, and he's like nonchalant about it. Osiman, to his credit, goes after the ball, out jumped Dragowski, who's going with his hands, and gets a goal in there. You know, well done by Osiman. Uh, but Napoli comfortable win, 3 nothing in there. Uh, Torino Udinese, very entertaining game in this one. Uh, one of the goals of the week candidates in Caramo. Uh, question of offsides, but he was just onside. Wonderful cross by Aina uh, that found Caramo, who no mistakes about it, yeah. put it away behind uh, Silvestre. One uh, nothing, Torino wins that. Uh, the derby that was entertaining was uh, Fiorentina hosting Bologna. What an derby del Apennino. Yeah, yeah. This was a wide open game. I was hoping the derby would be like this. Maybe if it was, it would have been a blowout for Inter. But uh, goal scoring started early in the, uh, the penalty. Orsolini gets steps up, sticks, scores the goal in the 14th minute. Uh, Sapanata scored a goal in the 19th to cancel that out. Sapanata nearly had a goal of the year. He had this bicycle kick that went off the crossbar and just went out. Um, but it was not to be uh, Fiorentina's day. Posh early in the second half uh, off a corner kick, I believe. Um, if I remember correctly, it was, a, it was a free kick. Either way, scores the goal. 
That's all Fiorentina would, or Bologna would need. Excuse me. Bologna win on the road. Bologna, Tiago Mota, they're finding their way. They're up to ninth now. This is the Bologna we thought we would have seen for years now. They got the yeah. talent. They just didn't have whatever it was. And they finally got it under Mota. And Mota, look out. He keeps this up. He might be uh, in the nomination for manager of the year. He won't get manager of the year, but he'll be in the nomination if he keeps this up. Man, I'll tell you what. Stefan Posh knows how to score goals from the right back position, doesn't he? That's back-to-back yeah. weeks. He's got four yeah. Yeah. on the season. Um, he came over from Bundesliga. What would, what team was he with? Um, I don't recall. I don't he was, I, was he with, with one of the uh, teams that went down? And then, been, and then Bologna picked him up. I'm just it, it escapes me because I remember him playing in Bundesliga a couple of years ago. Yeah, I don't remember. So we got a couple games tomorrow: Verona, Lazio, and Monza, Sampdoria, and then as well on Tuesday you got Salernitana and Juventus. Uh, the this is bothering me. I'm going to look at this is bothering me. I'm going to look this up. Hoffenheim. Kyle says Hoffenheim. That is Hoffenheim. Yes, thank you, Kyle. You are right. All right. So what are this match week? Uh, you want to talk about? This is a good match week. Outside of the um, well, I'll jump into the games that are going to happen tomorrow and Tuesday real quick. We've got Hellas Verona hosting Lazio. Um, you know, Lazio, I mean, it's worth watching a little bit only because, uh, you know, Hellas Verona, Hellas Verona unbeaten in four out of the last five. That loss did come to Inter, and, and two of the wins were Cremonese and Lecce. The draws were Torino and Udinese, and you know, and then Lazio, maybe a little bit of a different proposition away than they are at home. We have talked about that. So it's 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 a worthwhile watch, um, even though Lazio is actually – they're actually fourth in away matches this season. It just feels like for some reason they're just a worse away team, maybe because of all of the wins that they've had at home this year, like Inter and Milan, and, 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 and there's another big team they knocked off at home this season too. Um, so uh, that's worth your time. But, I mean, Lazio also does have kind of a – stranglehold on this on this series um they beat them 2-0 last time out there actually there was a game in verona in october of 21 where they where hellas actually won 4-1 um but lazio has obviously won the majority of these over the last few times we'll have to see um how things go immobile i think is expected back zakani is also expected back so that'll bolster things for lazio interesting um, Monza, uh, just, I mean, in, as far as Serie A is concerned, a five match on beat and run, and those aren't slouches that they played. They drew Fiorentina and Inter, beat Cremonese, drew Sassuolo, beat Juve. Um, so, uh, so say, you, you know, they lost to Juve in the cup, but, uh, I, I, it's coming together for them. Sampdoria, what have we said about them? Just, okay, playing better under Stankovic, just not getting the results and, you know, kind of going back and forth with Vito Doria this week. And he said yeah. that the team just needs to shut it down and go to City B and, and start getting some finances on, under control and, you know, and things like that and try to figure out how they can regroup themselves. Um, I wonder know. if uh, Berlusconi ever fell, followed through with his uh, promise uh, that uh, he would give a, his team a bus full of hookers if they would if they beat one of the big three. And they beat Juventus twice now this season, so... Just curious. Mm. Just curious. Mm. Bunga bunga party. Yeah, he's gonna have to have two bunga bunga parties, <laughs> in, isn't he? Yeah, a weekend. So, but a win for Monza puts them in tenth, uh, past Empoli. 
uh, and puts them a point behind Bologna and Udinese and, and two behind Torino, which mm. right now with the points deduction for Juve, Monza is a thing for the Conference League. Wow. Um, so, oh, no. Oh, no. yeah. I, I said they'd be mid-table. I didn't think they'd be better than that. But, no, no. I mean, with the players that they've got, you can't rule it out. So, yeah. um, And then Juventus will travel to Salernitana on uh, uh, Tuesday. It's almost a relegation six-pointer. Um, yeah. It's actually kind of a mid-table yeah. uh, scrum, uh, if you will, because of this points penalty for Juve. Juve has not won a game since handed that penalty, by the way, uh, except for the cup games. They're, they're advancing in the cup. They beat Monza in the um, cup, right? Is it Monza they beat? Who they beat? Yeah, they beat Monza. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Salernitana just had a big win against Lecce, but they've had some really tough matches um, of late that have kind of led to their losing run. Milan, Atalanta, Napoli, chief among them. They had a draw with Torino in there. Um, and then you look at Juve. Logic says Juve wins this game, but... I think there's enough in Salernitana's locker to give them some trouble. Um, you know, especially with the way Juve's conceding goals of late, too. Um, if you read the rumors, if you believe the rumors that Vlahovic and Chiesa are back in the starting lineup, that should be a boost, for, certainly for them, but for Juventus as well on the offensive side, don't you think? Chiesa? Yeah. Oh, sure. As long as he's not um, playing wing back. What's that? As long as he's not playing wing back like a legend, probably he probably will. So he probably will. That's where we'll like we'll put him. Um, yeah, uh, let's. I mean, it's just they're just they, they boggle the mind. The talent's there, even with some of the guys they don't have and have or whatever. But I think Hugh may legitimately just want to do enough in the league and then put their eggs in the Coppa Italia basket to maybe qualify, which would qualify them for the Europa. Or put their eggs in the Europa basket, which winning that would put them in in the Champions League. So um, imagine the scenes. You could see that playing out. It, it, it it's kind of wild. Uh, but those are three games that are you know, you know enough for you to you know if you if you have if you're if you're at work and you can get Paramount Plus on your computer, definitely recommend. So, but let's come back to the. Um, Let's come back to the games that actually were played. Yeah, this Fiorentina Bologna game was amazing. Um, lots of chances from both sides. Uh, to your point, um, you know, uh, good play from Gonzalez. Good play from Jovic. Amrabat. Amrabat went back to his best. Um, that goal line clearance with between uh, Terracciano and uh, Jovic was was really nice. Kind of led to a penalty though. Yeah. Uh, that you know they scored on, but uh, yeah. Overall. Yeah, so those were the Fiorentina players that did well. Ricardo Orsolini has really, man, he's exploded the last few weeks. Um, but he's always had this ability, and yes, yes. you know, and it's just like, and I, here's the thing: I think you're seeing Mota just turn him loose and say, "You're our guy. Everything we want to run things through you." Yeah. You know, where Barrow was in there. You know, they gave a few things to some other guys. Um, <clears throat> Excuse me, um, but Mota's turned Orsolini loose. He's playing an awful lot more confident. We already talked about Posh. Uh, Skorupski had a big game. Came up with some pretty key saves. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I mean, if if there was a game that you could have said, all right, this game's a draw, and I'm not disappointed that there wasn't a winner because both teams played well. Right. This is it. 
Um, but Bologna found the extra goal that Fiorentina couldn't. So. And Orsellini makes sense too, because yeah, Musa Berra is the better player overall, I would say. But I think <clears throat> Orsellini has a passion. Every time he scores or assists, he's with the crowd. He's pumping them up. Um, and as he goes, the, the team seems to go and just follow his passion. And so it makes sense. They let him loose and let him, you know, kind of pull the strings and run run the show. And and they feed they're feeding off his energy. And I think that's a wise move by Tiago Mota. Mm-hmm. Um, Roma, Roma can just be a Roma will just be efficient. I mean, you talked about how and we said Baldanzi looked really good as that game went on, but then when you go back and think about it, isn't this what Mourinho does? If he gets a lead, he just kind of so yeah. When 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 Mourinho's team Roma they got the two nothing lead, I said they're just going to shut up shop and just play like that. But no, they kept trying to go for goals. I mean, Bacardi really yeah. saved the day, but yeah, my my first instinct was. This is perfect for Mourinho. Two early goals within five minutes of the game, first five minutes of the game, and then just gonna lock up shop and sit, go home pretty like that. But no, yeah, it was uh, certainly efficient, like you said. They got the two nothing win. This, this shutout was important. Uh, but yeah, it just they, they kept trying to go for goals. It's uh, good to see from Mourinho. Are you like me? Are you looking forward to seeing how Bayrami fits in this Sassuolo setup? Yes, and you started oh seeing glimpses of that. Him and Loriente were so ma- I mean, not magical, but they were they were playing really well together in this game against Atalanta. Um, give him a couple more games in that setup, and he's going to be feasting. Him and Fratesi there, oh my goodness. What the- made them so damn good under Tizerbi? Djuricic uh, in the 10. Yeah. Was was a was an underrated. I mean, you're going to talk about Berardi. You're going to talk about some of these other guys, the strikers. Djuricic was a legit underrated 10. He was the cause, um, yeah. Absolutely. In that setup. So, I mean, Judicic is right now just struggling for form at Sampdoria. Everybody's struggling for form at Sampdoria. But, yeah. um, but that's that's something that's worth highlighting and noting. Um, so, uh, And DeFrell as a striker is working because he's doing his job. He's holding up the ball. He's, you know, attracting the center backs to him. And it frees up, you know, Berardi and, and Loriente and, and Fratesi coming from the middle. Now you add Barami to the mix. Uh, it's this is this is a uh, Sassuolo team's finally coming around the corner. I don't, and we didn't think this at all, but they're not going to be in 17 or they're not going to be towards the bottom of the table for long. They're going to be back to mid table in no time. And I'll tell you this a little bit more. I mean, they're, they're up to 15th now, so they've certainly made their move and they're 10, they're 10 clear of the drop, so they've got some breathing room now. Yeah, yeah. um, but. Man, I'll tell you what, and we had to we had to take our medicine from it last week as Milan fans. But there's one one of the favorite things I like seeing is when Domenico Berardi's in form because when he's in form, he is really damn good. Yes, yes. He uh, we there's a thing what we hope for with the Azzurri, also with Sassuolo. When he's on, it's just like he has his other gear. He can get the goals because he has a great left foot. He can also shoot with the right. Um, his, his assist, his vision is so wonderful. He can find anybody on the pitch. It seems like and. You know, he doesn't. He's not to seem like the fastest guy, but whenever he has the ball and he's on form, he just seems to go through people, whether it's you know one on one or beat him with pace somehow. Um, yeah, he's a he's a scary player. He's just inconsistent. If he could be more consistent, this is probably why he never made that big move. Because yes, he has some really great days, but then when he's off, you're like, where is he? Where he's missing? Uh, so, but yeah, to your point, when he's on, he's on. I mean, he's he's hard. He's hard to stop. Set the value at Victor Alcimen. I said hundred. I said to Premier League teams, one hundred and eighty million to this morning. Yeah, I mean one hundred fifty million minimum. Minimum. Yeah, I said one hundred and eighty. Yeah, no, that's that's fair. That's fair. And yeah. at this point, 
at this point, if he gets to 20 goals or, you know, not believe in the Scudetto, it'll probably be 200 plus. Mm-hmm. Um, we talked, we, we kind of jumped for joy about Lecce a little bit earlier. I think we covered everybody here at this point. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Spezia, the likeliest team of those above the drop to get tugged into this bottom three at the expense of one of these three teams, if one of these three get out. Yeah, I think so. I, I mean, Salernitana is doing just enough. I think they got some of the nice pieces that came here um, that'll help them out in the long run, obviously, with David Nicola back from his brief hiatus. <laughs> um, but I think, you know, Hellas, if they can find a way to pull some, you know, um, get a run going and get out. If you're, if you're, it's up to me and it's between Hellas and, and, and Spezia, I'm going to go Hellas. I am just because mm-hmm. there's more talent at Hellas at the moment. Um, but yeah, Spezia, don't look now. They always find a way to stay in the league, though. They always find a way. But they're the most likely. They are. Well, they better start scoring. They've got one goal in their last five games. Mm. Mm. So, um, and they're starting to concede goals, and I think they're starting to slowly um, realize the importance of Kivior uh, back there, um, losing him to Arsenal. So, um, so I yeah, it, it is not just because they're sitting in 17th, but I just think just on personnel, Spitzia is the most likely yep. that's sitting safe right now but could be facing the drop. And I think it would be at the expense of Verona. I still won't rule out Sampdoria just yet, okay? But it is a mess there. I mean, at some point, you got to start winning games. And if they lose to Monza tomorrow, they're probably going to lose to Monza tomorrow. Um, you can you can shut them down because um, it's going to be it's going to be a heck of a climb to get out of it. Yeah, they're only nine back of Spezia, and there's there's a chance, but with Verona having the potential to get there too, I'd I'd, I'd rank them. I'd rank them Verona, Sampdoria, Spezia. You know, it would not surprise me if Sampdoria finished ahead of Spezia on points, but both of them would go down, eighteenth, nineteenth. Okay. So. Um, uh, do you have a top five? No, um, no, I didn't do that this week. <laughs> I'll give you mine. Uh, honorable yeah. mentions. I'm gonna give it to to the Derby. It's uh, Lautaro's header as well as Tatarano's save on uh, Lautaro early in the game. That was a two two big moments there. Number five, Strifetza, his goal for for Lecce. Mm. I thought it was a nice goal for them. Yeah. Uh, second goal in the game. Um, Loriente's goal. Loriente's goal against Atalanta. Really nice goal. Really well taken. Um, Number three, I'm going with a save. Uh, Tereciano and Jovic goal line clearance. Yes, it came at the expense of a Barack handball right after, but great save by those two players there. Um, Caramo, Caramo's goal. I love the pass by Aina. I love the finish by Caramo. That's number two for me. And number one is Vicario, triple save. How do you not give it to this guy? I mean, unreal the saves that he made in that Roma game. Uh, But the triple save, I don't know if I've ever seen a triple save like that. I've seen plenty of doubles. I've seen triples with other players involved, but just one person? That's hard. Where does he find work next? I mean, rumors have always to... been Napoli, right? And now What's that? Not, rumors have always been like not, I've heard Napoli. Um, and but with the, Merit's, with the way Merit, with the way playing, all of a sudden, yeah, it's yeah. Hard to... And Lazio, they got Provedel, so that's probably not an option there. Um, that's a good question. I mean, it depends if anybody it, leaves. I mean, it could be Roma. Rui Patricio has been around for a while, you know. Um, he's been. He's, Regressed a little bit this season too. Yeah, That's not a bad shot. I mean, Vicario is a good, good goalkeeper, so he needs yep. to be at a top team for sure. Um, Musso, maybe, maybe Atalanta move on from Musso, but I don't know. Atalanta tend to keep some of these players. Yeah, Musso's been pretty good this year. Um, yeah, last year was bad, but this year 
little bit better. So I don't know. We'll see. He'll probably start off as a backup somewhere, but um, he needs to go to top team. He does. If I'm if I'm looking at the top team, the the traditional top teams, I'm with Kyle. I think it's Roma. Roma's probably the likeliest if they finally get to a point where yeah, Patricio's getting up there, and let's bring a younger guy in that can get it done. But I mean, maybe Vicari is better than Re Patricio right now, anyway. So. He could be. He could be. So I, I think that's the likeliest destination of all the good. I'd, I'd hate to see him leave, which kind of is a nice segue into the conversation of what's your take on the Mercato and the lack of activity with Italy and why, I mean, England just, England went nuts with all the money. Chelsea went nuts. <laughs> well, yeah, Chelsea England. in particular, yeah. Um, I heard... I heard Nesta talking about it. Um, I think uh, Patrick Hendrick uh, shared it uh, videos on. Um, yeah, I saw that too. And he was talking about you know we got start at the grassroots with the coaching, and, and I agree to an extent, but it doesn't solve the money issue. Yeah, you got to mm-hmm. pay your coaches more, but the big thing is it, the, the the mercato was so quiet for most of the leagues uh, is because there's money and people are still you know coming out of COVID. They they were hit hard, uh, and there's not much funds of revenue coming in. And on the flip side a boatload of, of money is going to the English Premier League. Uh, and that's why, you know, so a team that gets promoted from the championship, I think gets more money than the Champions League winner, which is ridiculous. And that's all because of TV money. I'm not hating the Premier League because they were smart with their TV deals. They got yep. the excellent deal that helps all their team. It's a Super mm-hmm. League, no doubt about it. Uh, and they're hogging up all the talent. But that's what you got to do. And my blame is all these other leagues who are not finding ways like the EPL, maybe – Maybe the, the English language is the broad, uh, the what can sell it maybe more. I don't know, but you can find a way to get a package with announcers for all these leagues. They already have you know English commentators in all these leagues. Find packages. Maybe City A or someone's got to go out to and steal the guy from England and and try to get them to work that in England because City A's uh, TV revenue stream is is terrible. It, it, the deals are horrific. I mean, they, they, we've seen what they do with ESPN Plus and Paramount Plus. They've done well with those two uh, two locations the last couple of years. But it's nothing like the money that EPL are getting. And until yeah. we talk about this financial fair play, and everyone's going to look at Chelsea because they spent like four hundred trillion dollars this this January alone. But you know, financial fair play is about not spending too much money because like PSGs and Man Cities of the world. It should also be that there's equity equity amongst the top leagues that they all have similar amounts of money that they're all making this kind of money. And again, it's not to take away credit from the EPL because they did their job. They did their job with the TV TV deals. They got their money. It's these other leagues need to step up if it's possible. I don't know. I don't even know if it's even possible that, you know, if they had someone of the same level at, at the EPL that they could bring in the TV revenue. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Again, it could be the English language thing. I don't know. But it, that's the big discrepancy at the moment. And people keep talking about financial fair play. And it's not a level playing field when you have teams that make the, the 20th place team in EPL, you know, may, bring, coming in with $25 million, 25 million euros is or Right. Or, and, and Serie A, Milan – probably has 20 million to spend and you know juventus and, and, and napoli they, they maybe have 50 million at, at best so it's not fair it's not fair and i don't know how you solve it i think the grassroots away it's an idea but you need to bring in more money more revenue somehow i think this just continues i think you just have to continue to well first of all i mean what have we been saying forever and we said i think martino touched martino touched on it last week i mean only Sassuolo, Udinese, and Juventus own their stadium. You know, all the Premier League teams, I think, own their stadiums. Um, Syria will never get more than what 
they are getting for TV rights, especially abroad. Exactly. I mean, the and that's and that's part of the problem. The English Premier League have done such a great job, and some of this was brought up by Martino last week too. They took advantage of some of the advances that were out there to promote their brand. That Serie A, Bundesliga, to an extent La Liga, except for Real Madrid and Barcelona, uh, failed to capitalize on. You know, the social media aspects, yeah. website promoting, yeah. and things like that. Doing some of the marketing just beyond the traditional stuff. They got such a head start on that. They got such a head start on so many other things. They own their stadiums, the TV deals, that through the roof. That they just were able to advance their brand so far that the rest of Europe is playing catch up. And that's the thing. There's some big markets like in, in, in India, uh, China, uh, obviously anywhere in Asia, Indonesia is a huge market as well. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of big markets that maybe you can't sell it to the English speaking people, but you know, the rest of the world, give them an opportunity and maybe you can find the deals there. Maybe the money, money will have to be there somewhere. And you go to maybe find a way to work in with China. Cause like, there's, there's been nibbles here, right here and there that, you know, we had that, I think a game, a big game that was in China a few years ago between like, I think Juventus and, and Inter or, or somebody Inter in Milan or something like that. They dabbled mm-hmm. in it, but they got to go all in and really sell themselves there because, frankly, that's what the EPL did. That's why they have all this money. And I agree. Mm-hmm. It's hard to compare with the two, but you got to find a way to get some more money, man, somehow. Exactly. But until then, how do you combat it? Well, you, 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 you get ass kickers for scouts that – are finding the guys that the rest of the clubs, the rest of the clubs aren't finding you, you get, you know, um, you find players at the end of contracts that you can get for, you know, probably a discount of a transfer fee versus what they should actually be valued at because their contracts almost up and you basically can leverage the club and say, okay, um, either I give you 12 million so I can sign this guy now or you be stubborn, and then when June comes around, I'll just sign him for free. It's basically what Maldini's at the end doing. Of your contract. What's it's that? Basically what, it's basically what Maldini's doing. He's playing yeah. the smart game, the long game, because he knows it's not sustainable to kind of just go out and spend money. Yeah, uh, and maybe it's more more so the the owners, but that's what they're doing. Uh, or you could just go with the plus Valenza route, right, and just kind of inflate the numbers. <laughs> yeah. Um. And some of it is that, you know, at George's point, some of it might be moves that other leagues are doing. It's like this city out with Apple TV. I'm not renewing I, Apple TV I hate that. for MLS. I hate, that. I hate that, by the way. But, yes, I, I agree 100% with George. You got to think outside the box. Doing the yeah. same what's – that, what's the definition that Einstein said? You do the same thing over and over again. It's insanity. Mm-hmm. This is a uh, – that, 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 that MLS thing just feels like a very bad cash grab. Um more than anything, but uh, just a, I, I, I personally think it's a bad strategy on the part of MLS, but I do. Yeah, um, but it is what it is. Um, so the other thing that the, the, the Paramount deal, there's things I like about it. There's things I don't like about it. I mean, my, I'm not going to go into the thing. Some of the things I don't like about it, I think I've said before, and I don't want to start ruffling feathers and getting people pissed off. I'm trying to be a little nicer these days. What do you like? Um, what's that? So what do you like about it? Um, well, I like that I can watch any game. Yes. You know, um, I like that if I'm having a late lunch at my office, if I, at my office desk, I can have my lunch there at the desk and I can pop on 
fucking Hellas Verona against Lecce yeah. and be the only guy watching it. You know, what doing, you know what they're doing well too is that they're going to cities and doing these watch parties, and they're bringing people out to those things that can bring new fans in. Uh, I yeah. love what they're, I love they're doing that. Yeah, I, I I like this Boston party that they did today. I thought that was smart. They did a nice job with that. Yep. Where I think they miss out, and a lot of this is because other American sports just take precedent. But CBS Sports Network gets the, you know, they get the, you know there'll be a college football during football season there will be a college football game on cbs sports network before there's a city a game now once football season's over you'll see some city a games on the cbs sports network on saturdays and sundays that you can watch on youtube tv you don't have to open the paramount plus app or, or right. cable or whatever right um you know occasionally it would be nice to see a city a game find its way on the mother station cbs but then you're fighting with PGA golf. You're fighting with NCAA, you know, March Madness and all of the other things that the CB that the that the that the mother station has huge contracts with. So they 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 hit a. There's merit to having access to all of the games, some of the bonus coverage, and some of the things that they do. The product overall, I think, is pretty good, but I think it has a hard cap on how far it can go because it can have access to bigger things. It won't get it. For those reasons, I like that they got. I don't know. I'm not gonna say they. I'm not gonna. I'm gonna give them the credit. But Serie A's got now headquarters, a headquarters in New York City now. You know they didn't have that before. So you know part of that with the with the average with the the way that Paramount Plus and CBS are doing this thing, it's it's a bonus for for the league. So yeah, yeah. baby steps. But we need we need to think outside the box to get the kind of money that the EPL gets. If you want to challenge them, um, we need to get more money. Yeah. Got to get creative. They're gonna have to get creative. And in the meantime, clubs are just going to have to be smart with their scouting. And and more, more than anything, they need to do the best they can to just kind of try to keep things, in terms of their recruitment of players, keep things as close to the best as possible. Why were Berlusconi and Galliani so good for so many years at Milan? You never knew what they were doing. And then all of a sudden, this they pulled this guy out of their ass. I mean, some they couldn't get away from – they, they they couldn't get away from the publicity. Like Tevez. I mean, I remember what's that? Carlos Tevez. <laughs> um, that was a yeah. That was a that was that was a blunder. But I'm I'm talking about George Weah. Like it was public knowledge that George Weah was going to leave PSG for Milan. Uh, Andrei Shevchenko when he joined Milan, it wasn't like the George Weah signing. It was more of a people didn't. People didn't catch on to it until it had already gotten steam and was almost a done deal. Like where, like it was announced as early as that. Well, while Wea was playing for PSG against Milan in the Champions League semifinals in '95, that Wea was going to be a Milan player. <laughs> so. And I think too, same thing too with uh, Escobar before he uh, he was going to move from Colombia to um, to Milan. You know, before right. he passed away. But I mean, people knew about that. You know, best left back in the world basically, and he and left back, right back, whatever position he played. Um, yeah, Would you believe it if I told you that this is the second Andres Andres Escobar reference I've I've heard today in one day? In one day, that's pretty good. Yeah, yeah, pretty good. My mom, my mom asked me about it from '94. Nice. Who was the Colombian player that? Then I don't need to. Yeah, everybody knows what happened. Yeah, so, yeah. um, so yeah, so that's match week twenty-one in a nutshell. We still got a few games to go, and uh, 
we'll see how those games wind up and how the table formally shakes out here. But uh, we're going to put that all to bed and, and get on with the world's most popular hashtag game. It is time for Who Won Kelcho Twitter. And we've got to uh, make up a couple weeks because Martino and I didn't do this last week, Richard. So we'll have a two-week winner here. Oh, two-week winner. All right. Well, let me zoom in on here so I can see this better. All right, here we go. Starting things off, Uncle Sharma. And it's uh, Pioli's usual complex tactical master plan. Isn't working today. And it's uh, Leao and Enchila, right? That's what uh, Nima always says. It's, uh, everyone just give the ball to Leao and we get a goal. Uh, didn't work Didn't work <laughs> against Asuelo. Didn't work against Lazio. Didn't work today against Inter. No, it didn't. Almost, almost did, but Brozovic came in. <laughs> All right, our friend Nima Tavali got a nomination back on January 25th. Emotional video of Inter fans moving goodbye to <laughs> Gagliardini. <laughs> oh my gosh! I like uh, this. That's leader in the clubhouse, right there. Yeah, easy. Oh, that's great. That's great. Uh, let's see what Apex is nominating here. Uh, all right, so the original tweet was Inter fans' reaction to the transfer win- uh, transfer news doesn't fill me with hope. And then he says, uh, Galliardona is a new Pirlo region. Trust me. He can't pass, run, shoot, uh, cross, tackle, track, back, defend. But he's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> nice. nice. I like that one. I like that one. Uh, I still think Neem is ahead. Okay, going yeah. to at Gunnerscom. Arsenal are interested in Juventus winger Federico Chiesa. The forward is one of many players strongly linked where they move away from Turin following a probe into the club's previous transfer dealings. Chiesa could be available for as little as $20 million. What are you smoking to think he's going to be available for $20 million? Like, really? Yeah. Really? I think the hilarity in this is that these guys are actually serious. Yes, I know. I know. Like, what the hell? <laughs> oh, anyway. All right. So, uh, uh, Mr. Jalarosa nominated this one. It's Maldini when a player costs more than half a million. <laughs> it's been a while since we've seen something from statutos yeah 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 oh, let's see here right. so moving on we've got saturnian in the house uh with an entry milan players that have the same or more goals assists and zaniolo in Serie A this season. Balotore, Tatrasanu, Diketelare, Benacer, Pobega, Salavakas, Kalulu, Tomori, Origi, Revic, Calabria, Macias, Krunic, etc. <laughs> Milan should not go anywhere near 25 million for him. They didn't. Yeah, what, a, what a clusterfuck that it became, right? Oh my goodness. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Anyway, uh, Karim with this one. It says, La Defesa de Milan. So, <laughs> La Defesa 2023. Everyone gets by. You get a goal. You get a goal. Everyone gets a goal. Uh, we got a contender. That one with Nima. Uh, we're gonna have to. We're gonna have to make a decision here. All right. Uh, let's see. Bobby is replying to uh, at Francescalcio. Uh, first of all, it was the crazy Italian pod. Uh, crazy Italian Paul. Former Prime Minister Silvio Berlusconi promises to his Monza football players that in case they beat a big team like Juventus or Milan. He will bring them a bus full of hookers and Francescalcio Monza players right now. It's the Jeff of Mazzotti. <laughs> it's time. It's, it's time, time, Silvio. It's We're time. collecting. <laughs> oh, that's one from Art Morelli. Art Morelli's back says, Thanks for everything, Weston McKinney. Good luck at Leeds. Oh, it's, it's the weekend. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and he's wearing a Juventus jacket, too. It's even better. Oh, that's yep. great. That's great. All right, another nomination. This is uh let's see. Okay. Uh uh this is from uh Jenny Darms at Sauce GMP. Me watching myself become an interfan like <laughs> No, don't do it. No, no. 
Oh, that's great. From Interstellar. Is that what that's? Yeah, yeah. He's trying to stop himself from from becoming one. Ah, I got it. That's funny. Uh, let's see. Moving on. Uh, Napolinissimo. It's a January, January transfer window. Bayern, they got Cancelo. PSG, they got Zayic. Spurs, they got Porro. Arsenal got Trossard. At Chelsea, 300 signings. Juve, minus 15 points deduction. <laughs> <laughs> Although PSG did not get Ziyech. That collapsed last Oh, it night. collapsed, did it? Okay. Yep. So, uh, at Fino Alafine 282, it is the Massimiliano Allegri apology form. Uh, to Massimiliano Allegri from and date are blank, so you can fill that in. Reason for behavior, and here are your options. I am a Cristiano fanboy. I think this is FIFA career mode, not real life. I was blindly following the majority. Uh, I humbly apologize for downing a great tactician, and I never will do it again. I do not appreciate greatness. I didn't want to watch defensive football, even if it meant losing. I was brainwashed. Uh, your apology needs to be as loud as your disrespect was. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. They're starting to turn, their, turn it around. Um, yep. This one comes nominated by Rajat. Uh, it's Jose Mourinho uh, at Mir Likes Beer. So 13th place Juventus <laughs> says third place Lazio. Friends, this is what the Coppa Italia is all about. Struggling <laughs> mid-table teams getting the chance to prove themselves against the biggest teams in Italy on a massive stage. This is what makes football so beautiful. <laughs> but um, going <laughs> up to the table, team Juventus. Oh my god! Oh, I remember that one. I just I saw that the other day. That was good. Okay, uh, George with a uh, cringeworthy enter entry. Juventus is the Serie A version of NFL's Weed and Boys, Dallas Cowboys. Oh, Vucinich. Oh, Vucinich walk running around without shorts on. That's great. Oh my goodness! All right. Uh, Original tweet was also I we tweeted out uh, Vicario with a triple save. Stop that, Vicario. Gillis fifteen says uh, he surpassed Tatarasano's twenty twenty three save tally in like three seconds. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, he did. Yes, he. Well, did. All right, our good friend Art Morelli, uh, Darby della Madonnina, February fifth, twenty twenty three, international and air conditioner. Those <laughs> twins again. Who are they again? Yeah. The Island Boys or something? I don't. Oh, know. that's don't right. Know. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. That's yeah, it's a fair, fair, accurate uh, description. Uh, okay, moving on. Alessandro Bastoni is a great one. It's uh, Juve relegated and Milan in the conference league, conference league next season. I will love it and I think I deserve it. <laughs> uh, and then finally, El Sayed out loud, uh, end it now, put in Bonera or Abate for the rest of the season. <laughs> they might be available. Uh, what's his name? Um, uh, oh, what's his name's over at Monza now? I can't use him. Uh, Gabri, oh, I forget it. Uh, anyway, anyway, <laughs> I'm beyond myself. Um, ooh, winner, who do you got? That's funny. I'm down to okay, so I've got it down to three guys. All right. Um, I've got uh, Mir likes beer. Yeah. Nima. Yeah. That's mid table. And uh, where's the other guy? Uh, at Mirko underscore par ninety nine. Kareem. Kareem, which one did he do? Oh yeah, um, yeah, the defense. Uh, I've seen that. It's a good. It's a good reuse of that video for Kareem. I like that. Um, you've, that's a, the Nima one was funny. Where shooting, shooting Gallardini off, <laughs> even though he's still here. It's you like, know, we got to you know Inter winning the derby today in the spirit of it. I think that's yeah, the winner. That's that's fine. Yeah, Interisi, they deserve it. They deserve some laughter at a laughter after a wonderful win today. <laughs> 
Oh, still doesn't top that video with uh, Robbie Yo trying to go to United. No, 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 please, no, please, no, no, no. Listen, listen, listen to <laughs> let me. me. Let me let me tell you something. <laughs> let me tell you something. <laughs> oh my goodness! Oh my goodness! Yes! Oh my goodness! Anyway, that's uh, that's uh, who won Castro Tour this week. Uh, while Frank is typing that up, uh, again, shout out to uh, all the Napoli fans who made it over to NYC for the watch party, as well as the Milanisti. Uh, who made it out to the Boston watch parties um, on Paramount Plus? Shout out to Alfredo from Azuri TV as well. Everyone in the chat, obviously. Um, and then, uh, last thing I want to say is uh, our, our website's live now. We're still going to write some stuff to it uh, to uh, occasionally to so keep up, you know, keep checking back and see what we uh, add in there in terms of um, uh, articles and stuff like that. But uh, yeah, it's, it's up there live and it's a work in progress. So bear with us, but go enjoy. Yep. yep. So, yeah, sit down. Excellent. SetiaSitdown.com. Definitely go there. And putting a bow on this edition of Setia Sit Down, you can find us on our own channel on Apple, Podcla- Apple Podcasts and SoundCloud. You can find us on Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, wherever there's podcasts, there's Setia Sit Down. At Setia Sit Down on Twitter or Instagram uh, with any comments, questions, thoughts. Uh, if you are watching us for the first time here on this video, on this YouTube channel, uh, and you enjoyed the content, especially please drop a like, it helps us a lot. Uh, also subscribe, uh, that's important to us too. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, hit that notification bell because then you'll get notifications from us when we are going live or if we did a video drop on this channel. So, uh, check that out there. We are all over the place. So, um, we don't have anything till next week. I think uh, yeah. we convene. Uh, I'm going to say next Wednesday night, the 15th, if you're game, because sun, next Sunday night's the Super Bowl, and next Tuesday night is Valentine's Day. And I'm we want to be married. Do we want to stay married? Yeah, right? I, I want to stay married. So 15th sounds good to me. Yeah, so we will be back with you on Wednesday, February 15th. This way we will have gotten, I'm sure there's a, a City A team playing in Champions League that week. Uh, it'll give us a chance to recap those games. Let me see here. Uh, not on. Thanks for uh, joining us, Eduardo. We'd- yeah, Milan. Milan play on Valentine's Day against Tottenham. So, uh, so on Wednesday the 15th, we'll be able to review Milan's game, talk about the Europa and Conference games that involve the City A teams. As European football will be back uh, by the time that we are back on the air with you. So, um, looking forward to it. Yeah, absolutely. Chat, thank you. Eduardo, glad to have you with us. Welcome. Uh, Don't be a stranger. Come back again soon. Uh, And uh, uh, George has been a lifer. And George can can tell you a lot of good things and a lot of bad things about us. He's an OG. OG. He is. He is an OG. That's for sure. So... Um, but want to thank you all for uh, taking the time to listen to us. Uh, for Richard, I am Frank. As always, tell your paisans about us. Ciao.